This is Speaking of Writers on Capital Region Sunday. I'm Steve Richards. In 1942, freshly humiliated from the attack on Pearl Harbor, President Roosevelt demanded a show of strength against the Japanese. Jimmy Doolittle, a stunt pilot with a doctorate from MIT, came forward and laid 80, led 80 young men on a seemingly impossible mission across the Pacific. Dubbed the Doolittle Raiders, they struck the mainland of Japan and permanently turned the tide of the war in the Pacific. But their legendary mission wasn't the end of the story. In his debut history book, Last Mission to Tokyo, the extraordinary story of the Doolittle Raiders and their final fight for justice. Legal scholar and historian Michelle Paradis uncovers one of the last untold stories of a seminal moment in World War II, the pair of trials in Shanghai that determined the future of legal and military history with incredible and gripping detail. He recounts the dramatic aftermath of the Doolittle mission, which involved two lost crews captured, tried, and tortured at the hands of the Japanese. The dramatic rescue, the survivors uh, in the last weeks of the conflict, and the international manhunt and trial led by two dynamic and opposing young lawyers, Major Robert Dwyer, a prosecutor determined to bring justice to the Raiders, and Lieutenant Colonel Edmund Bodine, assigned to defend the Japanese, who were uh, forced to confront the questions of what constitutes a fair trial when we should show mercy to our enemies and right and wrong in the fog of war. Michelle Paradis is the leading human rights lawyer and national security law scholar. He has won high-profile cases in courts around the globe and worked for over a decade with the U.S. Department of Defense, Military Commission's defense organization, where he led many of the landmark court cases to arise out of Guantanamo Bay. He also holds the position of lecturer at Columbia Law School, where he teaches on the military, the Constitution, and the law of war. He received his doctorate from Oxford University and his law degree from Fordham Law School, and he has appeared on or written for MSNBC, The New York Times, Washington Post, Wall Street Journal, The Atlantic Foreign Policy, Lawfare, America, The Intercept, and The Late Weekly Standard. Makes his home in Manhattan. In Manhattan, happy to have Michelle Paradis join me now here on Speaking of Writers. Michelle, welcome to this program. Thank you so much for having me. Michelle, how did you come to find this story, and why did you decide to write about it as a full book? So I first came upon it uh, working in the Department of Defense. This was towards the end of the Bush administration, and there was a continuing debate about whether or not waterboarding constituted torture. And we had heard a rumor in our office that there was a case after World War II where we had prosecuted the, the Japanese for waterboarding. That's what we had heard. So we sent a young Marine captain out to the National Archives to, to find out, uh, to find a copy of this record, the court records, if they could. And she came back with the transcript of the trial that ends up being the centerpiece of this book, the trial of the Japanese who were charged with uh, essentially torturing and murdering the Doolittle Raiders, not personally. Uh, none of the people who end up getting charged uh, laid a finger on any of the Doolittle Raiders, except arguably one of the prison wardens. Um, instead, what, what sort of made the book, uh, what made the case fascinating and really just made me need to write it as a book um, was that they prosecuted the Japanese lawyers and the Japanese judges for uh, their complicity in things like torture, their complicity in war crimes like murder. Um, and that just the idea that you could ever have a trial of a trial just seemed too good not to write about. Um, and so it, the story stuck with me. Um, I initially, I think, set out to write it as a much drier <laughs> and more... Uh, sort of specific scholarly legal history, a more traditional legal history that no one probably would have ever heard of. 
Um, but as I did more and more of the research, the, the people involved, the things that happened just became so crazy and so fascinating that I, um, I just had to write it uh, the way I did, which is a much more narrative history that hopefully people will enjoy. Michelle Paradis is my guest here on Speaking of Writers. His new book is Last Mission to Tokyo, the extraordinary story of the Doolittle Raiders and their final fight for justice. Of course, uh, this year, 75th anniversary of the end of World War II, we just had the anniversary on July 26th of the Potsdam Declaration, and VJ Day, the anniversary, is this week. Why isn't the war crimes trial of the Doolittle Raiders, Michelle, better known? That's a great question. Um, you know, someone has, who has been a war crimes practitioner, you know, for you know, fifteen plus years, um, it was a surprise even to me. So even specialists had never really heard about this trial. Um, I think one reason is that the legacy of the trial became this, what we now call the Geneva Conventions of 1949. The the major lessons, including the the need to give your enemies a fair trial in wartime, becomes codified as part of international law. So it's this you know, essentially overwhelming triumph of what at the time had only been American values into bedrock principles of international law. And so I think just at, at the simplest level, people, you know, once you, um, you know, once you get the seed out, you don't need the shell. Um, and I think once it was put into the Geneva Conventions, the need to go back to the, the trial itself was just, you know, just not as necessary for lawyers anyway. Um, but I think another reason is that the story is a really complicated one. Um, and, and it's actually probably one of the most marvelous aspects of the American trial of the Japanese is that in putting the Japanese on for conducting an unfair trial, you have, um, you know, American, and these aren't actually even lawyers, I'll say, uh, you have American officers um, endeavoring to really put on a fair trial. And sometimes putting on a, a fair trial means encountering and reckoning with uncomfortable truths. Um, as you mentioned, the, you know, we've come up on the 75th anniversary of the, the Potsdam Declaration. We're coming up on the 75th anniversary of the v, of VJ Day. Um, but we're also just passing the uh, 75th anniversaries of the bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Uh, we've, you know, we're passing the 75th anniversaries of the firebombing of large swaths of urban Japan. And that was you know, arguably a necessary thing uh, to do. It, it obviously helped us win the war. Um, but the idea that you know tens of thousands of people, uh, many of whom are you know women and children, civilians, that they're going to be that they're going to die in some of the most horrible ways imaginable uh, for the sake of an armed conflict is you know it's an uncomfortable truth. And those kinds of things were surfaced at the trial as a way of uh, essentially debating in a, in, a, in a good faith way. And that's you know also another beautiful thing about the story, where people were really able to debate. You know, what is fairness? What is justice in something as extreme and as uncomfortable and as unsettling and as, as profoundly damaging um, as a war? Um, and so it, it's a, you know, it, it's not a, uh, it's not a, just a simple, you know, it, it's not a simple story. Uh, and I think certainly as a matter of history, we like simple stories. Um, but hopefully readers, you know, certainly today are sophisticated enough and, uh, and want something a little deeper, a little, a little more nuanced uh, that they'll be able to get from this book. Michelle Paradis is my guest here on Speaking of Writers. Last Mission to Tokyo is his book, The Extraordinary Story of the Doolittle Raiders and Their Final Fight for Justice. Let's talk about the attorneys, Michelle. You described the moral dilemmas of these attorneys, Edmund Bodine and, and Robert Dwyer. Can you talk more about them and that? Sure. So, you know, you have someone like Robert Dwyer, who is a 40-year-old draftee into the Army um, from Rochester, 
who um, basically spends most of the war being very bored. <laughs> she had the war can be very boring, as, as many people who have served know. Um, but in 1945, at the end of 1945, a file drops on his desk when he's stationed in Shanghai, China, because the army wants to put together a case against the Japanese who tortured and murdered the Doolittle Raiders. And it essentially falls to him to put together that case, to figure out who is responsible. Uh, and what he quickly finds is lots of people are responsible. You know, even hundreds of people in the Japanese government are responsible. And so how does he figure out who is truly responsible? And in the process of doing that, he confronts all sorts of political obstacles, including from General Douglas MacArthur in Tokyo, um, you know, moral obstacles to figuring out who, you know, is this person more responsible than that? So that that all by itself is, you know, a real challenge, a real endeavor, a, a journey uh, for him. Um then on the other side, you have this defense lawyer, uh, and I only use lawyer, and I use the word lawyer in quotes because he's not a lawyer. Uh, he's actually a decorated pilot uh, who had fought in China um, at the end of the war in 1945, has won the Silver Star for valor, and he um, basically wants to stay in Shanghai, uh, and his reasons for doing so are entirely personal. Uh, he ends up falling in love with the concierge at this hotel in Shanghai where the, the American officers uh, are being housed, essentially, as their barracks. Uh, and there's a Russian concierge working there whom he falls in love with and wants to stay. But having been a pilot, there's no reason to keep this many pilots around in Shanghai. Um, and so he ends up solving a problem uh, for the army, which is that no one wants to defend the Japanese, not the least of the Japanese who are responsible for murdering uh, the Doodle Raiders. And so he takes this case, in essence, for all the wrong reasons. Uh, he assumes that they're on an express train to the gallows. Uh, he assumes that all he's going to have to do is stand there and look pretty while the government makes its case. Um, and, you know, his, his journey is he ultimately is confronted by the humanity of the men he's, he's told to represent, these Japanese uh, officers who are you know, accused war criminals, accused, accused war criminals of, of almost the worst kind. Um, and he ultimately uh, ends up investigating the case in Japan and decides or is confronted with the you know real moral dilemma of how much of a defense am I going to make? Um, am I going to stand there and allow this to be an unfair trial against the Japanese for conducting an unfair trial? Or am I going to stand up truth and fight for justice and fairness and mercy and uh, essentially sacrificing his military career, he decides that he's going to really advocate. He's going to really do the case, even though he's not a lawyer. He's going to stand up for the rights of his enemies to be treated as human beings in a courtroom. And it's really that, um, as much as any of the rules or anything anyone else does, that makes it a fair trial, right? It's the, the very idea that a fair trial doesn't come from words written on paper. It comes from how those words are interpreted and applied by, by people of good faith. And um, so you just have this marvelous, wonderful, like, clash of, of ideas of people, you know, two people who are really struggling, imperfect people, I should say, but who are really struggling to do the right thing. Um, and they're on opposite sides because that's the way the legal system is built. And so it's this really, you know, almost heroic story of two people who have, who are, who are fighting for truth, justice in the American way, in the most intimate way possible, um, even at great expense to themselves, both their careers, uh, even their lives in the case of the prosecutor. So I won't spoil exactly what happens to him. Um, so it's a, you know, it's a, it, 
for me, I, I, I always look to history to try and understand the world we live in today when the world is confusing and difficult. And I think there are certainly plenty of reasons today to feel just, you know, depressed <laughs> about, you know, the, the state of the world, the state of the country, the, you know, I mean, America's role in the world. And to be able to tell, uh, in my case, and hopefully for readers, the ability to read a story about people really trying to do the right thing and fighting for values that we've taken seriously in this country since our very founding, um, hopefully is refreshing, uh, if nothing else, because it, it speaks to a time in our country um, when we were optimistic and when we really did, and I, and I can't overstate this, when we really did change the world uh, for the better. Um, and it wasn't because we were angels. It wasn't because we did everything right the first time, uh, but it's because we had really abiding values that we took seriously, and we took those values seriously and pushed them forward even when it was hard, even when it was uncomfortable, even when it wasn't the thing that would probably feel the most immediately satisfying to us um, at, at the moment. And, um, and so, yeah, so that's ultimately what the book is about. It's this, you know, I mean, it's as much a, um, you know, it, at the end of the day, it's a legal thriller. And so hopefully people just enjoy it on a beach like you should any good legal thriller. Um, but it really is a, you know, the, the real story underlying it all is this real effort to establish value, human values, um, and to resist political pressures that could cause people to take shortcuts and to, to really insist on just that there are things like truth. There are things like justice and they're worth fighting for. They're worth dying for. And that's ultimately, I think the greatest legacy of world war two. It's not that just we won and defeated the Nazis. It's not just that we won and defeated Imperial Japan. Uh, it's that we were able to reshape the world around values that at the time were not shared universally. Uh, things like democracy, things like the rule of law, things like human rights. Those were, those were not shared universally, but now they are part of international law. Now that they're, they are the expectations of, of humanity all around the world. Um, and it's something we really can take pride in. Uh, and so hopefully people are able to enjoy that aspect of the book as, as again, as well as a good, uh, a good old fashioned legal thriller. He's Michelle Paradis, the book last mission to Tokyo, the extraordinary story of the Doolittle Raiders and their final fight for justice. Michelle, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks so much for having me on. And this is speaking of writers.